Not a single, not a double, but a triple. Welcome to the Triple Option Podcast with Ryan Gregory and Devin Boss, a part of the Running Book Podcast Network. Triple Option Pass Podcast. I am co-host Evan Boston. With me is co-host, the one, the only, Ryan Gregory. Ryan, how are we today? Thankful that there's only one of me, man. Uh, happy to be here. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty fine myself because today is a great day. Would you like to tell the audience, Ryan, what we will be doing today? The long-awaited, arbitrary, pre-draft tradition, time-honored, not respected by none, a mock draft. Top's <laughs> first in its existence. The first ever mock draft in Top's existence. And this is the only mock draft uh, we have produced this season. And I feel like this is going to be a continuing tradition. We're not going to be one of those people that produce 80 different mock drafts as, as time goes on. No, we're going to be the ones to give it to you right before the draft hits. Yeah, what's actually crazy is that um, we've both actually gotten everything entirely right, and so that's why we only have to do one. So it kind of saves everybody time. Uh, we just yeah. we just decided to be entirely correct, and so um, yeah, no need to make multiple when you're when you're right the first time. Right, and if you know if you guys know anything about the top crew, it's that we got ins and outs to every single uh, NFL program, and so basically we already know all the picks. So that's exactly why we're giving them to you today. Yeah, it's a, just kind of a, a service to you guys. I figured you guys would want to know, so we'll we'll key in. You know, we're we're, yeah. we're good sports. Yeah, and our, our intel might be different, so you know, you might you might see some variations. Just, but it's all good. It's all good. It's um, all very accurate. Yeah, it's all very accurate. So, um, <laughs> in, in news, before we uh, begin this, a major thing is uh, it hasn't happened, but it's being considered in college football. Uh, the college football playoff uh, apparently is gaining traction for expansion. And it's about not, damn time. Not eight teams, 12, mm-hmm. 12 teams being considered for a playoff expansion. I find that to be very interesting. I would be happy with eight, but hey, the more the merrier, right? Exactly. I mean, those at large bids are going to make it, it makes every game just count a little bit more. You can't drop that like weird, it like in conference game that everybody seems to lose once a year. Like it's going to make every week count just a little bit more. And it's, it's going to be really exciting to see if they uh, move forward with this. Right. And I think my only question with this process is how would you change the season to reflect such a change? Because obviously this would be a, probably a three to four week process. Um, and most, I mean, maybe they would, I, I don't see them shortening the season. Um, so right. Maybe you cut one out of conference game, but that also shorts a lot of deserving teams money, like the smaller schools. So it's, it's, it's a weird dichotomy between like more entertainment at the tail end, but like, is that going to overwhelm some of these student athletes? Right. And you can't, and as far as college football itself, uh, you're already impeding an NFL playoff territory. Do you really want to try and battle with those playoff ratings? Even yeah, you're gonna you're losing that fight every time, right? So, 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they figure that out. And if it does end up going to 12, what chaos will ensue there. Um, <laughs> especially with a pending, uh, you know, conference realignment coming probably eventually. So uh, there's going to be a lot of fun in college football within the next decade. So there's going to be some chaos, <laughs> some absolute chaos, and we will be here for it all. So um, without further ado, we might as well just get in with it. And with the first pick in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock. Who do we got, Ryan? Who who do we possibly have at the number one pick of the NFL draft? <laughs> you know, I, I thought long and hard about this one. It was <laughs> a lot of names bounced around in my head. Uh, Mac Jones, obviously, was uh, <laughs> a high contributor here. But in the end, I chose to go with... Uh, the generational talent, uh, Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, the quarterback. What? Generational yep. talent at quarterback? What? Yeah, why would he go number one? He should probably wow. slip to like 10 like Patrick Mahomes did. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm thinking. Man, that's that's crazy. You're crazy. And yeah, I, I you know, I, I really thought hard about this one. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe Christian Barrymore, you know, maybe. Maybe Devonta Smith, but you know, at the end of the day, he did win the Heisman. That, exactly, exactly. Zero Heisman's for Trevor Lawrence. It, see, he's already proven himself better. So, what am I uh, saying? Trevor Lawrence has ended up being the one I picked here. It was a very tough, very tough decision. And um, in my notes, it totally doesn't say obvious. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence, everybody, will be a Jacksonville Jaguar. So yeah, now so it's a pretty uh, fair assumption for urban Meyer and co to build a team around him. And they have plenty of picks to do so. So with the second pick and the draft, the New York jets, man, now this one's also toughy because there's just so many awesome positions here. And, you know, from, from all the Intel that, that, you know, we've gained, this, this just seems like such a, <laughs> Heated battle. Who's going here? Who, who do you have, right? So this isn't like who I think is the second best player in the draft, but it's just from what literally everyone has been saying that it looks like Zach Wilson's going to go here, quarterback out of BYU to the Jets, especially since they have moved on from Sam Darnold. Yep, it's going to be Zach Wilson. I have about ninety percent sure that it would be Zach Wilson. Um, Obviously, Ryan and I think that it should be Justin Fields, but mm-hmm. they're kind of taking the approach of, hey, this guy could be another Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, let's just give him a shot. And you know what? It's New York. I don't like I don't I don't like how uh, they've built around their teams in the past. Um, it, it's such a struggle with me. I don't know if whether to think Zach Wilson will be able to pull a Russ Wilson. Or if Zach, not, <laughs> I forgot the <laughs> names are the same. But for real though, uh, pull a Russ Wilson, or if he's going to just wither away with the crappy Jets, just like Sam Darnold did. Yeah, I mean that that ability outside of the pocket, you really just can't. You you could pass that up, but um, he's exciting enough of a prospect that I I can't be upset with him at two. He's he showed that he was deserving of this kind of draft capital 
this last season. So, I mean, power to the Jets. I hope that I hope that things do work out. I really like their new left tackle, uh, Mackie Becton or Mackay Becton. And so there are pieces there. There are pieces there for Wilson to be good. And so I just hope he is. I agree. Uh, you know, Top, we love our group of five schools. BYU is kind of a tweener, but regardless, we still love them anyways. So, uh, you know, go, go BYU. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, actually, in reality, all jokes aside, this is where the draft gets fun. Because yeah, this is this is where everything isn't set totally in stone. So now we exactly. can start having fun. From three through thirty-two, literally no one knows what's going to happen. So, um, I guess. I've given you the mantle for the first two, so I'll I'll start us off on this one. Yeah, you, you take this one. With the third pick, I believe that the 49ers will draft Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Uh, apparently, the 49ers scouts have loved Lance. Um, I know there's just a lot of smoke and mirrors with, with this draft pick. Uh, it very well could, and let me remind you, should be Justin Fields. But I just have this, I, I don't know if it's just me believing into all of this draft, you know, variance and what they're all saying. But I just feel like Trey Lance would actually be a logical fit. Uh, as I said, I would prefer Justin Fields here, but I feel like the 49ers, for whatever reason, may go in a different direction. And, um, if it's got to be between Lance and <laughs> Lance and Mac Jones, I pray to God they pick Trey Lance. So, oh my God, uh, yes, that's kind of my intel here. Plus, plus, you know, as as we've noted in the past, Trey Lance is more pro ready than many of these guys. Uh, not, you know, I wouldn't say more so than someone like Trevor Lawrence, but um, he he does kind of fit the system in which. Uh, the 49ers do have in place. Um, and I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan could use his abilities both uh, through the air and through the ground. But uh, that's just kind of my intel. This is more of a what I think they're going to do rather than what they should do. Um, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, so for the, the way I approached my mock is I went entirely for what people should do. And I think that we should, we can both agree on what they should not do, which is this your aforementioned smoke and mirrors of this foolish idea that they should go pick up Mac Jones third overall. They got to just be trying to get people off their off their track because like there's no way that's real, right? There's no way that they do that. I hope not. <laughs> I will be stunned, but. Anyways, you have um, you have Trey Lance here. I have Justin Fields here. Just of of what you should pick. Um, I like Trey Lance a lot, and he's coming up later in this in this mock for me in the first round. But I mean, the the lack of experience kind of scares me off of spending a third round pick on him. Whereas Justin Fields has this pedigree. I mean, like. He's always been QB two behind Trevor Lawrence. And there's no shame in that because Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. So like Justin Fields being the guy out of high school, being the guy at Ohio state, all of this stuff about like his accuracy issues and his like processing. I feel like people haven't like actually turned on the tape on him. 
I think he's like more than capable in all of these of these uh, categories that he keeps getting counted off for. And so I think he's a no brainer at number three and could even be like in the argument argument for number two. I see no reason for him to be going any further than the third pick in this draft. Absolutely right. I agree with you there, Um, especially at all points about Justin Fields. He is, to me, the second best quarterback in this draft. Um, And I feel like, you know, whether, you know, fair analysis, if you would like to say that, is in par here. Um, But Justin Fields is absolutely the second best quarterback in this draft. And I'm not sure what the scouts and whatever the heck they're doing. just blundering his draft profile. I don't really get it. Um, he has definitely has, you know, the second most talent here. Uh, he showed you everything that you want. And I, I just, I really don't get it. Um, but here we are. <laughs> here we are questioning. Here we are. Justin Fields is going to be the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth pick when this entire time we thought he would definitely get number two behind Trevor Lawrence. So an odd yeah, dilemma. funny how the world works like that. Yeah. So moving on to the fourth pick um, with uh, Trey Lance or sorry, with Justin Fields for you out of the picture, who do you have the Falcons taking at number four? So Atlanta needs a lot of, defensive help I think they could definitely use an edge or a cornerback but their their position is far too good for and the the respective talent at both those positions is not good enough so I don't think that they'll go defense and we should mention that this draft has no trades in it this is all just as it stands currently April 28th 2021 Mm -hmm. so uh with with the need for defense but no defense like being good enough to be drafted that high. I have Atlanta going with Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida. Um, Because it just seems like an Atlanta thing to do. Like the wise thing is, oh, there's four franchise quarterbacks in this draft and we have the fourth pick. Cool, we'll get one. It seems way more up Atlanta's alley to be like, well, we still have Matt Ryan. Let's get him an elite weapon. We have good weapons already. Let's run this back and see if we can like, you know, maybe go eight and eight because that's probably what's going to happen. Like this isn't going to be a world beater. They need to start breaking it down, but I feel like the Falcons are just a little bit too glossy eyed and a little bit too proud to, to commit to that already. So I think they pick up pits here. Well, it's interesting. You say that because I feel in the scenario that I've played up that the Falcons have all of the stars, the line, and in this instance, with the number four pick, they take Justin Fields. He is the Georgia dream native. Scenario. The dream scenario. The Georgia native can get redshirted behind one of the best quarterbacks of the last decade, and he's gonna have an off. He's gonna have an offense with a ton of weapons whenever he were, were to take over. Um, this is exactly what I feel like the Falcons are hoping, in all honesty, but. Given if he doesn't end up here, uh, I, I do feel like the Falcons will end up with Kyle Pitts. But in my suspected mock draft, I do have Justin Fields going forth. Uh, this would probably be the first shocker of the draft. Um, 
But this is totally an ideal situation for both the Falcons uh, and Fields because not only does he have familiarity with the area, but also just the overall fact that, as I said, the talent around him would be great. And, um, you know, um, I I just lost my train of thought. But either way, uh, Justin Fields would be a great, (laughs) great fourth overall pick for the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, I was going to say Matt Ryan's aging and he's not going to be around forever. So uh, they definitely need a quarterback. And uh, how better than getting one that could be generational for him? Yeah, I mean, you saw what Arthur, Arthur Smith did in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. Imagine if he has Justin Fields, his kid that runs a 4-4-40 and can sling the ball 70 yards, no problem, over future pros playing at Clemson. Like, it, this would be a dream scenario for Atlanta. And it's, he'll probably fall to him. I don't, I don't see uh, San Francisco taking him at three. And so the Falcons will certainly have a lot, a lot on their hands for this, for this draft choice. I think that they it's, – it's hard to say that Kyle Pitts is a screw-up with, with taking him, but I think it would be the wrong call for where the Falcons are as an organization. But it's Absolutely. still what I see them doing. Absolutely. I think Fields should be the guy that they go with in the instance that Fields is there. Agreed. So with the fifth pick um, – Ryan and I are just hoping they don't blunder this because it would totally be Cincinnati to blunder this pick. Um, instead of giving in to the demands of a certain quarterback, um, <laughs> he needs to readjust his his thinking and take a look at that gnarly scar on his knee. Um, I know we both agree on this pick. I don't even have to ask you. The Bengals should absolutely drop pace to all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> offensive tackle uh this is a generational tackle right here he's gonna he's gonna just dominate in the league uh assumingly and um just please just just please do the right thing Cincinnati just please (laughs) stop dreaming of all of these things that could be oh you want to reunite Jamar Chase well how about the I don't know three other formidable receivers you have on your team uh, you know, we're talking about guys and one guy in particular that could end up being, you know, a, a number one option here. So please just, you got wide receiver figured out. Just, just do it. Just do it, please. And also like they're picking at the top of the second round where there will still be quality at the wide receiver position. There will not be nearly the quality that Panay Sewell is at the top of the second. Like it's a no brainer. Just a no-brainer. Just a no-brainer. But leave it to Cincinnati to blunder it. Yeah, I w- could see it. <laughs> so at the sixth pick, uh, personally, uh, the Dolphins, shockingly for being the sixth pick here, uh, which was basically, I mean, it was granted to them for from, uh, you know, I mean, obviously after the 49ers traded it, but before that, uh, the Texans pick. But... They don't have a lot of a lot of needs at this position. Um, personally, I took Jamar Chase here, although you can't go wrong with Kyle Pitts. But I feel as if Jamar Chase just kind of makes sense for what the Dolphins are trying to do. Uh, Devontae Parker did take great strides in 2019, but at the same time, that was one good season. Can he be trusted as a number one option going further? And outside of that. Uh, you know, you got Will Fuller, who's 
a great number two, but I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily a number one. So I, I feel like in my opinion, it just makes sense for the dolphins to go Jamar chase with this spot. Yeah. We're in agreement here. I had them rolling with uh, chase as well with the six overall pick. And, and I'm in agreement with you about your points about the receivers, but like we are very much in a three receiver league now, especially like they'll, they'll roll Mike Kosicki out into like kind of like a, a slot position sometimes, but personally I would feel a lot better about my third best wide receiver being like probably Will Fuller uh, above like Lynn yeah. Bowden or Preston Williams. Right. So like uh, it, it's kind of a no brainer here for Miami to, to beef up the receivers for Tua. Cause it's, it's going to be a very stressful season for him. Lot on lot on the line. Like I wouldn't, they've already invested so much in the, in the O-line recently, like why keep throwing picks there? Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's go all in for this year. Let's get that, that fun toy for Tua and let's see if, see if we can go win ourselves at least, you know, get to the AFC championship. Right. And, and the Finns, they love them some uh, Gusecki. So I, I don't think oh, yeah. that that's really, they're really thinking about <laughs> going with the tight end here to, to move away from him. Although, you know, a dual tight end setup with Gusecki would be pretty, pretty nasty, but logically oh, yeah. speaking, they need a wide receiver here. So Jamar Chase makes sense. Yeah, Jamar Chase should probably be the pick here. So with the seventh pick, I'm really curious to see who you have the Lions picking. I have certain notes that I'll share after you're you're finished, um, but I'd like to see what what who you got. So I don't see the Lions as doing a whole lot wrong here. I have on in my notes their team needs as everything. The team is <laughs> the team's just bad, and yeah. so I just had Detroit go best available here, which I saw as Micah Parsons linebacker, Penn State. Wow, look at that. We're in agreement. Yeah, I got Michael Parsons here as well. And in my notes, I said in caps, defense, 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 please God, defense. Yeah, Um, there's not going to be a lot of fun things on the offense this year. You may as well just try and keep the games close, guys. Yeah, uh, this defense is just god-awful, and I'm I'm sorry, Deke. So is the offense. Just just close your just close your ears, but uh yeah, this this entire team sucks. Uh but the defense sucks more. So you might as well just invest in the defense and load up the rest of your picks however the heck you want them. Uh but yeah, the Lions they're they're gonna be in an eternal struggle. Uh they're back but- in 0-16 territory. Like I could very much foresee it happening. What do you mean? You don't think Jared Goff's gonna lead them to the promised land? <laughs> no, not throwing a Quintez Sevis as his number one. Oh, gosh. It, but also, why would you draft a wide receiver if you're the Lions when you need literally everything else? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a double-edged sword here. They're just they're just going to be bad for a while. Yeah, they, they're going to be bad for a while. And you might as well embrace the suck. You might yep. as well embrace the suck. Like, the next team that's picking, they embrace the suck. And they, in my opinion, at number eight, uh, have one of the best positions, draft positions in the draft. Because no matter what, they're going to get the remnants of somebody who slid. Yep. And in my in my position, I got them drafting Kyle Pitts just because Ooh. best available pick and duh. Uh, yeah, duh. <laughs> 
first of all, he does fill a positional need. Now, Ian Thomas is a fine, fine tight end. Uh, I use not, finest. Huh? I use finest. I use finest. Yeah, he's the fine guy. Uh, but if you put Kyle Pitts there, it's just going to be. I mean, we're talking about an offense that already has 2,000 yard receivers. You add that third one that could, you know, he, he plays tight end. He could, he could go out to the outside over the top. And they need someone that's actually a, pretty tall to to be able to go over the top because you know Robbie Anderson he may be six foot four but he's a speed burner so uh Kyle Pitts just makes sense here uh especially in my variation so uh the Panthers get the benefit of the slide and they get to to have potentially one of the steals of the draft here absolutely I could they'd be very lucky to get Pitts to slide to him at eight that would be a dream scenario for them but in uh, in my mock, he is long off the board, <laughs> and so I have the Panthers addressing, I think their biggest need, which is cornerback, and picking up Patrick Sertain, the second cornerback out of Alabama, with the eighth overall pick. I mean, no offense to these guys, but I don't want Dante Jackson and Troy Pride being my two guys covering, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas. Uh, Julio, potentially Kyle Pitts, year in, year out. You you need to have way better say, or cornerback play if you are in the the NFC South. And so I think Sertain is just a no-brainer pick for the Panthers here if Pitts is off the board. You forgot about A.J. Boyer. Yeah, A.J. Boyer. He's fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I, I do agree. If Kyle Pitts is a here, uh, I, I do agree with you, Ryan. They should absolutely go uh, Sertan here. A little running mate for Jeremy Chin. Get a, get a fun little backfield starting starting to go. Right. Right. Brian, and Brian Burns was a hit. Yeah. I mean, I like you, Terry Gross Matos. I mean, that defense can start being fun here soon. As I mean, you know, they took literally the entire last draft to draft defense. <laughs> yep. Literally. And now uh, they got to keep going. And, yeah. Now they got to keep going, but. You know, if Kyle Pitts is there, you might as well give yourself the luxury and, and go offense at least one time in this this draft. Right. Um, so with the ninth, um, this this is quite interesting. Uh, we did say no trades, but I did I did include just this one, and it's oh you, you motherfucker! Listen, listen, it's just it's just it's just a flip. There's no extra you know, unnecessary stuff. This is just one flip. However the heck it's going to happen. Denver, just as recent as today, traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Now, originally had Denver, uh, if they don't do it, I don't really know what they're going to do here, but it would make sense, in my opinion, for them to trade back now because there's not going to be someone there that they could potentially take. Uh, unless they went with Mac Jones if he was there. So in my opinion, I have the Patriots trading up to the ninth and just flipping the pick with the Broncos. Uh, that way, the Broncos can address their needs later in the round, and it makes sense anyways because uh, picking um, a guard, I, they they mainly need a guard, so picking a guard here doesn't make sense. Uh, so I, I just flipped it. And I have the Patriots taking Mac Jones at nine. Uh, Bill gets aggressive for once in his life. He was aggressive <laughs> all season. 
I don't see it slowing down. I know he's salivating over this Caden Mac Jones, who he probably sees as oh, you know, the next Christ. great thing. Uh, I strongly disagree with that. But uh, if this ends up happening, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. I have no intel on this happening, but I do know the Broncos are probably going to be at least listening to offers for that pick now. The thought of trading up for Mac Jones makes me want to throw up. It does make me want to throw up. It really does. But I, I feel like Patriots are going to like jump the gun because I think somebody's going to steal it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see that. I could see the – like the, the Broncos are a prime trade-back candidate, but we agreed on no trades, so I didn't make them do that. This was only one, and mm-hmm. I, there's, there's none else in the entire thing, so it's okay. Whatever, man. So with my ninth pick where the Broncos didn't trade <laughs> – um, I have them picking up the second cornerback of the draft and going J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. Um, Broncos just picked up Kyle Fuller, formerly of the Chicago Bears. And, you know, defense is kind of their calling card, and they are admittedly a little bit weak at the corner position. And when you play the Chiefs twice, twice a year, that just can't be a thing. And so picking up the best press corner – in the draft to go opposite of Kyle Fuller, I think is a very wise investment for them. And this draft is deep enough at O-line that they can find a formidable uh, piece in the second round. Yeah. Logistically speaking, that would make sense. And I would agree with you had, had this taken a different route, but I committed to, to this. So I didn't really <laughs> have a choice to change it around. So uh, that's all right. Um, and with the 10th pick, I'm curious to hear, who you have the Cowboys taking because uh, this is this is one that I feel like makes sense. Um, but in your variation, the two best cornerbacks are already off the board. Uh, right, I got a little drama with mine. Yeah, so I'd like to hear what, what goes, goes here. So for my pick for the Cowboys at 10, I have them grabbing arguably the most versatile O-lineman Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Ah. Because that line's starting to get a little old. Zach Martin is up there in age. Tyron Smith is getting old. And so I, I don't love Connor Williams at guard for them. And so as as that that generation of great offensive line play for the Cowboys starts to age out, you can never bank on that just always being your thing. And while they do, they would very much benefit from another cornerback to go along with Trayvon Diggs. I mean, if the top two guys are off the board, you could reach for Farley. But, I mean, uh, with, with the back stuff, I'm kind of yeah. backing away from him as a top 10 pick. And so I'm saying go with the safe pick. Go with a, a super versatile guy that can get snaps early on just because of how versatile he is and how good the line is. You can kind of work him in in places. I mean, it, it just seems like a no-brainer for the, for the Cowboys to go after him. Yeah, I, I that does make sense. They have two big needs here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, O-line, that's definitely a need. But um, also cornerback. And uh, a reminder, there has been no quarterback say, cornerbacks taken in my uh, mock so far. So with this one, uh, the Cowboys get the benefit of the doubt and they address their need at cornerback and pick Patrick Sertain the second. Um, there it is. 
A lot of people uh, mocking him there. Yeah, and I feel like it does make sense just because he might be a slider. Just that, you know, a lot of these people are sliders. Um, it, it is no fault of their own. It's just there's so much offensive talent in this draft that, uh, you know, it's tough for a lot of these defenders to go top 10, but I think Sertain makes sense uh, within the 8 to 10 range, I feel like. Oh, he absolutely makes sense. He is a an outstanding talent, as we discussed on our last podcast. Outstanding absolutely. talent at cornerback. And I, th- I think that the 8 to 10 range is probably where you're going to find him go uh, during yep. draft night. So um, with the next pick, there is the Giants. And they also have some holes. So I would really like to hear who you have the Giants taking at number 11. So for the Giants, uh, for my notes I have down for them, I, I have they need receiver and all defense. So yep. there, there's a lot to work on with the Giants, as, as you mentioned. But um, the, the biggest point here to think about is how the, the how we've always been discussing that the Giants no, sorry, that the defensive talent isn't great here. And so mm-hmm. the Giants are going to have to just hope for better stuff in rounds two, three, and four. And so right here I have him going Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Alabama. Somebody to be a running mate with new free agent signee, Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Those two, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. That'll be a fun group of weapons for Daniel Jones. This will be his prove-it year. Um, it, it just seems it just seems like the wise pick here for me. It's the best receiver left on the board. Now I want to give the audience a reminder. Ryan and I absolutely had no idea who each other are picking before this. So yeah, we have not discussed our picks. Not at all. And coincidentally with the Giants, I also have Jalen Waddle coming off the board. Uh, Look at us. This just it just makes sense. It just yep. makes sense. They got. You know, the big target, the guy that can be your number one guy in Kenny Galladay. But also, if you get Jalen Waddle here, you got a guy that's very dynamic. Got a burner. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and um, I mean, it, it'd practically be like having two number ones out there. So, uh, something that desperately has been needed with the, <laughs> with uh, um, Jones, that quarterback. So, I mean, I feel like this is really going to um, really benefit him. And I feel like it just makes sense here for the Giants to go wide receiver. It is a very winnable NFC East. And Daniel Jones has shown some flashes of being a decent quarterback. And so this is a year for the Giants where they kind of got to cash in. Like the defense, you know, lots of holes, but like they'll be fine. fine. They're not a bad defense. Yeah, I mean, they picked up a Dory Jackson to go across from James Bradbury. Like, I don't hate their secondary. Their their line leaves some to, some things to to be desired. But who's who who's great on the D line these days? Any anywho, I mean, they'll, they'll be fine on defense. But like, why not cash in this year and see if Jones is really the real deal at quarterback? Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a year to prove it. Plus, you know, you got one of the best running backs in the backfield, so. Exactly. Could all come together for. Him. So with the twelfth pick and the Eagles here, this is a really fascinating pick. Uh, another one that nobody has any clue what they're going to do. Um, do they trust Jalen Hurts? Uh, are they going to give him talent, or are they going to go to the defense, which definitely needs some talent? And in my thing, I got 
the Eagles going with cornerback and picking J.C. Horn. Ooh, um, okay. This is this is another benefit of a slide. Uh, J.C. Horn uh, gets to go with the Eagles, who really need a cornerback. Uh, so this one will, will definitely benefit them. And uh, I mean, I feel like it's fairly obvious with this. Yeah, I really like that pick for them. I mean, the defense is certainly beginning to age. So getting a little help on the secondary when they're, when their D line is not going to be able to get home as quick anymore, especially a, an elite press guy like JC Horn. It makes a ton of sense for the Eagles to make that pick. Yeah. So I, I, I think Eagles fans, while obviously they're praying and praying for that wide receiver pick to finally hit, I, I think that, that they would have to be, you know, at least pleased with picking up a great corner like J.C. Horn there. And I, I to go along with that, I, I think that there is something there in Rager. Um, I, I just feel like you got to stop addressing the wide receiver needs uh, and go with something that is actually like very much needed and uh, I, I feel like Rager, while he might not be, you know, a future number one, he's at least someone who can get it done. Exactly. Um, so for my pick for the Eagles, I was pretty much just debating between O-line and wide receiver here because O-line's getting old and wide receiver is just bad. <laughs> um, but I ended up going with wide receiver here and they pick up the 2020 Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama with the pick. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to stick with Hertz, you may as well give him a dynamic guy that gets open pretty often in, um, in Smith and just see what he can do with him. I don't know if Hertz is the answer, but he at least is going to need some help if they're going to give him all 16 games here. Yeah. And that, that was, what was tough for me. Uh, they do need a dynamic receiver, but, you know, this is this is my mock, and J.C. Horn ended up being there, so it just made sense. Um, but before we move on, two fun facts about uh, players currently on the Eagles roster. Okay. Uh, buried on their wide receiver depth chart is former Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate. Oh, and, I didn't even know that. And here's a better one. Their current six-string tight end, former Buffalo quarterback Tyree Jackson. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know he made the switch to tight end, but I, I was didn't checking, either. Out their, checking out their depth chart. I was like, oh, my God, what wow. the hell? He was quarterback so, not that long ago. Either. Wow. Exactly. Greg, Greg Ward, former quarterback, is one of yep. their starting receivers. I mean, yep. Eagles are really trying whatever they can to get some weapons here. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, so next up is the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers... They, they can go in many directions here, and it probably wouldn't hurt them. Um, but I'm curious to hear what, what you got there for the Chargers. So for the Chargers, I have them going O-line and protecting uh, Justin Herbert better, and they pick up Christian Derisaw outside – or outside, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. Ever since they made that trade with, um, with Carolina – their, their O-line was never great, but uh, losing out on – I forget who they sent to Carolina, but um, they, they need help at left tackle. Darisaw is a guy that can step in immediately. They just signed uh, – they or not just, but they signed Brian Bulaga. They got Corey Lindsley at center. Like, 
they can have a pretty solid O-line picking up another guy here. I mean, they have enough weapons for, um, oh boy, brain fart. For um, <laughs> Justin Herbert. Herbert. They have enough weapons for <laughs> Herbert and their defense is fine. So I, I see offensive line as the main thing that they need to address here. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I got them addressing the O-line here. I got Rashawn Slater falling to him. Uh, for reasons already previously discussed, Rashawn Slater, uh, very dynamic um, offensive lineman, definitely the second best in this draft. Um, and he's, he so happens to fall to the Chargers here. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like no matter what actually plays out in the draft, they'll probably end up going on offensive line here. I see no sense in, you know, getting Herbert another weapon. He's already got plenty of them. So. Uh, it really only makes sense to reinforce that line. Yeah, we can totally agree there. No matter who falls to them, they're going O-line in some way, shape, or form. The name itself doesn't matter too much. They're just going to draft the best lineman available, I believe. Yeah. So with the 14th pick then, um, since you just literally described him, I'm just – Going to throw him in there. I got the Vikings picking Christian Dersaw. Uh They they definitely need some uh, O line help, and uh, Darisaw is a is a perfect man to be able to get that done. So who do you have? So for the Vikings, I kind of mold over the thought of them picking up a a wide receiver here, or potentially a, a Caleb Farley type in the defensive backfield. But eventually I just uh, doubled down on the offensive line stuff and I have them going Elijah Barrett Tucker, uh, offensive lineman out of USC. Uh, He's another guy with great versatility. He can play anywhere from tackle, guard, center. And the Vikings just need help with protection. I mean, they've had a couple couple whiffs, a couple bad looks on on their offensive line. So... I see that as an immediate plug and play guy and just kind of a kind of a no brainer for a Vikings team that's a little bit stuck in purgatory. Yeah. And uh, w- what I find fascinating is that you and I had them going back to back because with the 50th yep. pick, I have my Broncos going with the uh, with with uh, Elijah Barry Tucker. No so. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No joke. So, uh, <laughs> Here, here, Ryan and I are. We're in the same range. We have them in different slots, but we're we're pretty much in the same range. So yeah, man, we like we like to keep everybody on their toes. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> uncoincidental. Um. So since I just shared that, and as you said, I, I mean, I, I guess I'll go a little bit into it. The Broncos, um, as noted, they they really need some help on the O line, um, especially on the interior. And with Barrett Tucker here, you know. It, as Ryan said, he could he could pretty much move around to wherever you need him, and uh, I feel like that's something the Broncos really need. So, uh, yeah, I definitely got Vera Tucker going there if if he ends up falling there. But um, who do you, who do you got going there, Ryan? So in my or mock, the New England, yeah, New England never trades up. So at yeah. the fifteenth pick, uh, New England enjoys a hell of a slide from a a great quarterback prospect, and they pick up Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. And uh, obviously, there's probably going to be a trade up to pick Trey Lance if he were to slide that far. But you know, no no trades in this. So in in mine, teams draft for what they need, and then Trey Lance falls perfectly into the lap of Bill Belichick, 
and the New England Patriots. Um, it's a great quarterback for Trey Lance to learn behind and Cam Newton. Obviously not the same playing style, but similar. Kind of like want to sling it, run it if they have to type of players. Yeah. Uh, Cam has so much knowledge about the game, has been to a Super Bowl. A lot of knowledge that he can instill on a, on a Trey Lance, a player who needs to learn the game a little bit better. Uh, it's just a, a marriage made in heaven uh, to be able to let Lance grow for a little bit behind a one-time MVP. And um, uh, like I said, it's just a, a perfect pick. He won't slide that far, but this would be an ideal situation for the Patriots. Yeah, and I totally agree. I, I If this ends up happening, I, I really hope they don't blunder and go with like Mac Jones. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Trey Lance really does. Uh, if he does fall to them, uh, that, that would be a perfect pick for all the reasons he just said. Uh, I feel like Trey Lance makes a lot of sense for the Patriots in that spot. Um, and yeah, I mean, He'd be learning behind, yeah, former Heisman winner, former MVP, former Super Bowl going to quarterback. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that does that does make a lot of sense. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we should now both be on the same page, and everybody that's left, neither of us have picked. Uh, so. From here on out, I, oh wait, besides for Devonta Smith, everybody yep. else I think we have on the board is the same. So uh, I'm excited to, to continue this on. We've, uh, we're almost halfway through. Actually, we are. Here's the halfway pick. Here's the halfway pick. So uh, at cornerback, I'd really like to see who you got going to the card. Oh, I just gave away mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, may, you may as well go, man. You may as well go. <laughs> With the 16th pick, I got the Cardinals going at quarterback, uh, addressing the hole in which Patrick Peterson has left. And let's be honest, Patrick Peterson was already aging. They knew it was going to happen. So uh, it only makes sense that even after he leaves, that this pick is being made. So I got them picking Greg Newsome the second here. I feel like this is a really ideal spot. Um, There is some wide receiver talent they could go with. Uh, but I, I do feel like the wide receiver position can be addressed in a later round. You know, they, they've already got their number one. They don't really have to worry about that. Everybody else that's been around them. I mean, Christian Kirk was actually uh, formidable last season. And uh, I, I believe is, is, is Fitz coming back one more year, right? I don't know. I, I think Fitz is out. Is he out? I, I couldn't remember. Uh, he, he's been going on like so many one-year contracts. You know, my mind just, just can't handle it. So, um, <laughs> in reality, though, uh, the, the Cardinals, I feel like, go with cornerback here and address address the gap that once seemed like would never, ever be uh, be a hole in their defense, but, but now it is. Looks like Fitz is currently a free agent, can, oh. re- can re-sign with the Cardinals, or can just hang it up. Ah, all right, well... Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he comes back because you know I feel like it's a yearly basis. Is Fitz going to retire? So right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I had the Cardinals going after some of that wide receiver talent here at number sixteen, and I had them going with Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. He's just like he's he's a game breaker, mm-hmm. uh, and is on, honestly plays kind of similarly 
obviously not to the to the level, but plays similarly to DeAndre Hopkins, isn't like Mr. Burner, but like it's such a pristine route runner, does everything with intention, makes that separation. It's just so, so valuable that if there's two of them on, on the field at the same time, and then you have like a Christian Kirk in the slot, it's like, and then Kyler Murray running around in the in the backfield. <laughs> it's like, who do you choose to cover? I mean, it it makes a lot of sense for them to go with Bateman here and just really try to unlock that offense under under uh, Kingsbury. Yeah, it's totally fair. Uh, it's definitely something that uh, will be interesting to see because the Cardinals just have, have one of those picks. that's like, well, you know, you, you could do you could do a lot there. So next up is. John Gruden's Raiders. Um, we saw a lot of great strides from the Raiders this last season, and then it all went to crap. Yep. Mainly because their defense sucked. Uh, blew <laughs> them a lot of games, and it was just awful. Uh, so who, who do you got out here, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, sucks that their defense was so bad. They got rid of... Uh... They're shitty DC, so maybe that'll take care of things. And so I'm just I'm just gonna trust the the new guy to take care of things. And so I have them going offense here. I have them going with uh or I'm I'm sorry, I lied. <laughs> I have them going defense, mis- misread it. I have them going with uh Christian Barmore inside defensive lineman from Alabama. I mean uh Gruden has shown that he loves his his defensive guys and he will, and he will reach for them. See Clellan Farrell from 2019, but this is hardly even a reach. I think that Barmore is the best defensive line prospect in this class. And so you could even say it's a little bit of a slide that he reaches 17. Um, Definitely fits that Raiders vibe. And as you said, bad defense last year. So it's time to start rebuilding. And while defensive tackle isn't the most important position in the world, being dominant at that position can be a, like a hell of a game breaker. So I, I think that's a, a good move for the Raiders here. Speaking of great game breakers, I actually have Jeremiah Wusu Koromora uh, for mm. this pick for the Raiders. He does because, scream Raiders. Uh, he does. And we're talking about someone who's incredibly uh, flexible, as we've noted on uh, the previous top. I mean, you, you could throw him into a slot. You could put him at linebacker. He's just going to make plays. And I feel like I trust Gruden enough to be able to understand that. Uh, I feel like he's one of the one of the head coaches that would be able to execute off of his talents. So I feel like uh, Wusu Koromora just would make sense. And I, I honestly, Ryan, with this pick, any of the defensive players left, I feel like they're really not going to go wrong. As long as yeah. they go defense. <laughs> I mean, Owusu Koromora makes a lot of sense because the, the Raiders do utilize a nickelback quite often. Yeah. And so he could he could fit into that role. He could he could play like a, a will linebacker. There's mm-hmm. there's just a lot of positions that make sense for him. And his versatility is more of less of a question mark and more of like a, all right, cool. There's there are options for you here than like a we don't know what to do with this guy. So yep. I, I think it's it's a great landing spot for him. Yeah. <laughs> so next it's, we have the Dolphins. Yeah, it's uh, funny that you bring up Jeremiah Wusu Koromora because I had him going to the Dolphins the very next go. pick. N- another team that utilizes a nickelback. 
um, another team that, you know, is in need of some linebacker help um, and someone that can play all over like Owusu Koromora. I mean, when, when your defense is already very solid, like uh, the Dolphins is, you kind of want like a rotational, like kind of gadget defensive piece that can like come in and be a, a game record for some offenses. And so I think mm-hmm. that's what Owusu Koromora can be. And I think that he's a, a great fit there in Miami. And I, actually, I look forward to be able to see what Flores does with him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny that uh, you, you talk about Game Breaker because I, I think we kind of both agree of that aspect. Uh, I do have the Dolphins also going defense here, but I got Quiddy Payne given that Usu Kora oh. was taken off the board. Uh, yeah, you nice know, as, as we've noted, the Dolphins, you know, they don't have... Uh, they don't have a lot of gaps and especially on defense. So someone who could be a game breaker on defense that could come in and just, you know, inject the defensive life and give you some really, you know, athletic uh, craziness. uh, I think Quiddy Payne really fits that, that mold for them. Um, Or pay, sorry. Uh, And I just, I mean, it really just makes sense. They could use an edge rusher um, and, and his, his prowess would, would really, uh, really help them out on the defensive side. Yeah. I really like that pick. They, they could certainly use some help on the edges. So certainly, certainly be wise of the dolphins to invest in the defense a little bit there with their second first round pick. Yeah. So who do you have the Washington football team selecting at number 19? So with the, with what is it? The 19th overall pick, um, the Washington football team dips into the gluttony of offensive line talent and they snag uh, Tevin Jenkins offensive lineman out of Oklahoma state to yes. protect their aging quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick or their quarterback of the future, Taylor Heineke, whoever, yes, whoever ends up taking, taking snaps. I mean, Manifest of, of everyone on this line, I really only like Brandon Scherf. So, I mean, <laughs> there are upgrades that need to be made on this line and, with with I, I would have gone receiver if they wouldn't have signed Curtis Samuel in the off season. And this defense is a fucking problem already as is. <laughs> so it just makes sense to to pump up the O line right now because they'll probably be in a QB market in the coming years. And yeah. so just kind of like looking forward, and they're not going to be Super Bowl contenders this year. So maybe just like beef up important important positions when the when the getting is good like it is this year for the offensive line class and um, kind of, kind of a no brainer here going O line for the football team. What about you? Yeah. Uh, you, you addressed it slightly. Um, the, the Washington football team would be the incredible benefit of a, of a slide here. Um, given if he wasn't there in my draft, they would have probably went um, offensive line, and probably Tevin Jenkins, as you mentioned. But since he's here, I got them selecting Devonta Smith with the 19th pick. Um, yeah, that is a no-brainer. If he slides to yeah. 19, you take him that moment. Yeah, and I feel like uh smith may slide just due to you know the obvious concerns over his size and uh stuff like that plus you know the other positional needs that many of the top 20 teams have uh i feel like it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that devonta smith slips there so oh no it can um, totally happen yeah so um 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. Terry McLaurin needs a lot of help on, from the wide receiver perspective. Uh, yes, he does. A lot of people could really argue that JD freaking McKissick, their running back, was their second best <laughs> wide receiver last year. So, you know what? Who better the to, to to help complement Terry McLaurin than the Heisman winner himself? Uh, he could he could really be a game breaker for uh, the Washington football team. Um, he could be one that. Um, you know, unlocks, unlocks another level with their defense and, and you know, whatever they end up doing with, with quarterback, he's going to be someone that'll definitely be like a, a conventional piece that'll be, should be pretty consistent uh, for years to come, given that. Oh know, yeah. Get if he's, if he's there at 19, that is a home run pick for the football team. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we've seen it in the past, like at the Cowboys last season, uh, pretty sure it was a very similar pick. And, you know, they ended up with uh, C.D. Lamb, so. Precisely, precisely. So, moving on to my beloved Chicago Bears here. At the 20th pick, um, I went back and forth on this one quite a lot. The Bears essentially came down to needing either an O-lineman or a cornerback. And, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself – to let the Bears pass on an offensive line class this good. And so I have them going Walker Little tackle out of Stanford as their first-round pick. I mean, with Kyle Long gone, I mean, there's no what, there's no reason that Elijah Wilkinson should be taking tackle snaps for a, a, <laughs> an actual professional football team. I like the, in, the interior of their line. I'm not totally sold on Leno as a, as a solution at left tackle. So kick him over to right. See if Walker Little develops into some like the pedigree he had of high school is like the highest rated recruit, and throw him out out there at left tackle and just just see if it sticks, man. I mean, the Bears aren't doing anything world breaking this year, so might as well just <laughs> start the rebuild with a franchise left tackle. It'll mean a lot more in the long run than a good cornerback. Uh, yeah. So, who do you see my my dumb shit Bears picking at twenty? <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> well, I, I similarly had uh, the same kind of issue. With, yeah, I wasn't really sure whether to go offense or defense at this pick. And, you know, clearly the Bears need a lot of offensive help. Um, but even with that, I ended up going on the defensive end. Um, and shockingly, this one this one might be a little way different than what you'd expect. I, I decided to go with uh, Trayvon Moering. Um the safety because uh you know Tayshawn Gibson he's not getting younger anytime soon uh and yeah we're talking about a guy he's gonna be retiring probably pretty soon <laughs> um yeah and uh Moeric has just I mean he's he's by far by far like light years ahead of as the best safety in this class um and and who knows what what'll happen there but giving someone uh, you know, giving the Bears a solid safety here uh, for the future. I, I just feel like I, I couldn't pass it up. Um, they do have additional needs, but I, I just I, I couldn't put myself uh, passing on him here. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think it'd be a wise pick for the Bears, too. Like, just defensive back help in general would, would be wise for them if they don't address O-line. So, like, right. I'd, I'd be happy with more at the at the 20 spot for sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I felt like it's still too high for Caleb Farley or 
definitely too high for Asante Samuel. So yeah, um, I, I, I kicked around Farley here as my other option yeah, if I didn't go with, yeah. with Little. Yeah. All right, on to the the team of the state with the twenty <laughs> first overall pick, the Indianapolis Colts. Who'd you go with here? Yeah, here uh, the the Colts have two obvious needs. Uh, there's probably not a team other than some of the quarterback teams that have more obvious needs. They need an offensive tackle to replace Anthony Costanzo. And they need an edge rusher because they have really struggled on that end to, to create pressure. You really can't have DeForest Buckner, your defensive tackle, being the only one getting inside. Um, exactly. So with this one, I, I went with um, some edge help finally. Uh, and I got the Colts taking Jason away. Um, I, I just feel like they, they couldn't pass on his God-given athletic talents here. They need someone who's uh, an athletic freak. And, you know, this really fits him. And I, I just feel like uh, away would, would do quite well with the Colts in the system that they run. So uh, regardless of who goes here, I feel like it'll be uh, it'll be an offensive tackle or an edge. Uh, I, I don't know if there's there's much variation outside of that. Well, here's some variation for you. Oh, God, are the, you going wide receiver? Yep, Elijah oh. Moore. I have the Colts going Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Elijah Moore. 21st pick. Yep. I'm wow. just not blown away with T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pitt, Pittman has been fine. Paris Campbell is always hurt. If Zach Pascal <laughs> catches a lot of passes for you, you're a bad team. What? I mean, like, if Stop if you the Pascal hate Pascal's not a good Stop receiver. Come the on, Pascal man. hate. I mean, you have a you still have a great offensive line outside of the left tackle position. You can you can kick guys around and like you can bandage that up. But like Carson Wentz, like needs obviously needs good good receivers. You saw how the wheels fell off in Philly when they were when he was throwing like Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham. So as much as I agree that they that they do need help on the on the edges defensively, I mean, with, with the investment of Carson Wentz here, I think you got you got to help him out as much as possible and get him a guy that can win inside and outside, like like Elijah Moore. Look. I think that there's enough talent in this draft outside that the Colts would be able to let that slide. Uh, I, I do think that the Colts would be fine picking a wide receiver in the second round. And heck, for all we know, they might end up trading up for a wide receiver in the second round. So, uh, gotcha. I, but I but I do agree with you. They definitely need wide receiver help. Uh, but given the given the cast, we really saw Michael Pittman start to emerge towards the end of the season. Um, He's fired. I do think that he'll end up being a pretty solid receiver uh, with time. Yeah, as you mentioned, Paris Campbell, when is he ever on the field? Uh, though I don't like it because he is very talented wide receiver. Uh, it, it is a, just a giant question at this point. And then, yeah, T.Y. Hilton isn't getting younger. But uh, I, I just I feel like one of the things the Colts really needed last season was was pass rushing ability and. Uh, they lacked it, and it burned them in the end. So um, that's that's why I got the edge going here. So uh, with the Titans going number 22, I would like to hear who Ryan Gregory has going. It's funny that you were just talking about Jason Oway out of 
the edge out of Penn State because that's where I have Tennessee going at 22. Also makes sense, yeah. Yeah, the the best as far as physical gifts go, the best defensive end project, or not project, prospect. Well, he he will be kind of a project, but prospect yeah. in this yeah. in this draft. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons needs some help on that line to establish a pass rush. The, the Titans, that was their issue the whole last year. Even when they brought in Clowney, they could not get a pass rush going, and. OA, what he lacked in actual production from sacks, he had pressures and hurries out the wazoo. And always just so physically gifted that I trust him to be a thorn in the side of offensive linemen in the AFC South for the foreseeable future. And so I, I think always a wise choice here for Tennessee to kind of kickstart that pass rush. Yeah. And that's fair. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in my mock, there's a certain guy by the name of Tevin Jenkins who has slid this far. And, you know, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Zach Griffith because, uh, you know, it was only, you know, like a year ago that the uh, <laughs> that the Titans brainlessly allowed Jack Conklin to just depart. Uh, <laughs> just makes no sense whatsoever. I know Zach Griffith gets very heated about this subject, so I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. But it's true. Uh, ever since Conklin left, they they've had you know some issues on the on the on that side. I mean, who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Right? Who would have guessed? Right. Letting one of the best tackles go would would cause some issues. Uh, and and to me, this is just kind of a kind of a pick out of necessity. I do agree that uh, a pass rush would be just fine here. There's absolutely no issue doing that. Uh, but with Tevin Jenkins going here and, and, and the, you know, the other great thing about t- uh, Jenkins is that he's one of the best, he, he was one of the best run blockers in the nation. And what do, what do the Titans do the most? I mean, run the damn ball. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it just makes sense in, in my opinion for uh, Jenkins to go here. If he, uh, if he ends up going this far. Oh, absolutely. If he would have slid that far in my mock here, there's no way the Titans pass him up. Yeah. All right. In the 23 spot, the Jets via the Jamal Adams trade with Seattle. Uh, who do you got? Uh, good old Jets picking up here as their second first round pick. Yeah. So as the entire audience knows, the Jets have a ton of issues. Um, so yes. Uh, namely on the defensive end, and that's where I got them focusing on uh, with this pick because I simply just don't like the the, the talent that's left over in terms of first round uh, for, for linemen. So with this one, I got them going defense, I got them going cornerback, and I got them going Caleb Farley. No I, fucking way, dude. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I mean, had Farley's just – He's one of the guys. He's he's got the incredibly high ceiling. Yep. Uh, but just a gamble, you know, with all the injuries or with with the with the injury. Um, but that that's that potential could be a real real value pick here, like a real steal. Uh, I, I what are what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, like this is an appropriate slide for Farley. Like as as mentioned. The, the talent's there. You worry about the back and the and the ankle. But, like, it's not like he's going to make or break the Jets season next year if he turns out to be injury-prone. 
I mean, like that's, that's fine. The jets waste first round picks all the time, but if he, <laughs> he if he turns out to be a legitimate stud, another Revis, I mean, it's entirely worth it to, to throw a 23rd overall pick at him, especially, especially given their immediate needs and who's left over. Like he just makes the most sense. They're not going to pick up one of these like kind of fine edges. Like the potential is just so there for Farley already had a slide. Like it, it just kind of, it makes so much sense that they would go Farley here at 23. Yeah, I, I do agree. Farley, this is probably a, a logical slide for him here. Um, I, you know, I, I don't feel like he's going to be taken, uh, you know, with, with the top cornerbacks, uh, I definitely think Newsom will be the third one off the board just because of Farley's injury history. Though, what do we know? We, we never know. But uh, yeah, it, I feel like this is just a perfect situation for the Jets and Farley. Um, Agree. And and yeah, as you said, you know, the Jets, they're probably still not going to be too great next season. So uh, it could serve as both, you know, if, if he ends up being injury, uh, injury prone still, then you know, you whiffed out on a 23rd overall pick, but if he doesn't, yeah, I mean, either way, he's getting experience on the edge. So, hey. Couldn't agree yeah, more. I mean, it's a solid pick. So, uh, who do you got with the Steelers at number 24 overall? So, for the Steelers, uh, with with Alejandro Villanueva moving on from left tackle there, uh, obvious hole and a great class of tackles. And so, I have the Steelers going with uh, Dylan Radens. Or offensive lineman, North Dakota State. You know, it's just it's an obvious like free agent leaves draft guy to replace him. I don't know if Raidens is exactly like a plug and play guy day one as some of the tackle prospects are in this class, but like has certainly showed the shown the potential to to be that guy and to be a franchise left tackle. Super athletic. I mean, can do everything that you ask from him. Um, I think this would be a very wise pick for the Steelers who are, you know, not going to be stellar this year since Big Ben selfishly retired. So maybe a, a new franchise left tackle for the new quarterback that will draft next year, potentially. Yeah, and with the Steelers here, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried that they're going to jump the gun and, you know, try and go with someone like Davis Mills. Uh, oh, God. I, I'm a little worried about it. I don't think that they're going to end up doing it. I am a little bit worried about it, though. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Mills is definitely getting, you know, a little bit of hype. Um, and at this point in the draft, there's really, I mean, yeah, they're the, they're the only team that is kind of quarterback needy. So uh, I, I don't have him going here. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it is, you know, potentially that, you know, one team falls in love with him. Uh, I could end up being the Steelers, though. I, I doubt that it'll happen. So uh, with this pick, I have them filling another, uh, hole in which was left by a man named James Connor who uh, walked his way to Arizona and oh uh, per- gross you're gonna have a first round running back I, I I don't know if any of these running backs are, are first round oh, but I feel like Devin. I feel like I feel like this is just out of necessity Ryan for for the audience I, I mean I'm sure you already know but Ryan just just really dogs on running backs. Um, this is a slap in the face to me. He is not a running back lover, especially in the first round. But uh, this one just kind of makes sense out of necessity. I, I got them picking a sorry, Nahi Harris here. Um, Gross. And 
I, it's just, Benny Snell is not going to be your number one guy. But he's uh, fine. He's fine, but he's not going to be a number one guy. Uh, Nahi Harris, on the other hand, I mean, he's a steamroller. He can catch the ball. He could do anything you pretty much need him to. And for uh, a soon-to-be incoming quarterback, whoever that may end up being, I feel like having someone like him there uh, would be would be quite beneficial. So, though I don't necessarily agree with it, I do feel like it could be a very real possibility. Yeah, whatever, man. I'm mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Moving on. Running back in the first round. All hell's broken loose. Uh, who do you got for the Jaguars? Redeem yourself here. Redeem myself? Well, uh, for for many of you who know Urban Meyer, especially, shout out Bryce Shaddy, uh, he believes that you build your team off the defensive line. And it turns out that the Jags need some defensive line help. So, with this, the Jaguars get a heck of a steal and get Christian Barrymore. Um, Ooh, what a slide. Yeah, defensive tackle. Uh, This is quite a slide, but one that I feel like is semi-realistic. There's not a lot of teams that are are in need of interior defensive linemen. So, uh, I think Barrymore is a real possibility here. Uh, I don't know if that'll actually happen. Um, I, I think this would be a very value pick, and Urban Meyer gets what what he constantly preaches. So, uh, <laughs> I, I got them taking Barrymore here. I feel like it's kind of obvious if he was to fall this far. I mean, yeah, that'd be a, a hell of a steal for the Jaguars if he were to fall to twenty five. I mean, mm-hmm. what a what a deal for them. I also have the Jaguars going defense. And uh, I have them going with Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. I mean, Jacksonville's always kind of been the center of linebackers. I mean, with Miles Jack still there, line him up on the other side. I mean, good luck running any kind of stretch runs, any kind of sweeps. <laughs> like, those two are elite at running shit down and have fairly good coverage skills. I mean... With, with the way that the league is going with this emphasis on the slot and the tight end position being so up the seam and such a viable, dangerous part of the passing game, it, you don't need just one linebacker that can cover. You need two, especially for a three, four, like uh, Jacksonville likes to employ. So I, I think that a, a really quick side to side linebacker like Jamin Davis, the Uber athletic with good cover skills and awareness would be the would be the correct pick for the Jaguars here. Yeah, I feel like that's totally fair. Uh, I feel like they'll probably end up going defense, but if they don't, uh, I think I think uh, reinforcing the O line is probably uh, logistical here. If there's anybody left, that's that's good enough. But yeah, exactly. Um, I just didn't see any more O linemen that were like, yeah. "All right, gotta have this guy. Let's yeah. let's go pick up a defender." The Jags aren't winning anything this year either, so. Yeah, let's slow build. Yeah, well, um, uh, uh, unlike rebuilding, uh, rejoice, rejoice, Browns fans. For once in your very, very long, uh, historically bad, um, historically bad franchise, you for once have very few holes. So rejoice. Who do you got going at number 26 to the Browns? So for the Browns, uh, they've, for whatever reason, been getting a ton of um, linebacker buzz 
pre-draft. And but I'm gonna go D line even with the signing of Jadavian Clowney because mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day he's gonna kick a little bit more inside. He's not gonna play that edge position. And so I have them going with Quiddy Pay, the edge out of Michigan. And just like the thought of two uber athletic freaks like Miles Garrett and Quiddy Pay playing on opposite sides of each of each other is just a dream that I couldn't pass up. <laughs> so I just I just had to mock him here to the Browns. I think it would make that defense even scarier. And assuming that they find some health in the defensive backfield, like that that defense can be pretty scary this coming year. Right. And uh, I totally agree with you here. I also have an edge. I got Aziz Ojolari uh, falling to the Browns here. Um, Very nice. Yeah, I mean, they, they got some luxury to spend. And with Jadavion Clowney likely, you know, being around for only a single season, why not address a spot that you know you're already going to need anyways? So, exactly. um, yeah, I got Aziz Ojolari here. Uh one of the one of a draft riser uh, in many people's eyes, uh, one of the most you know one of the more consistent guys um, as far as these edges go. Uh, he's probably more of a more of a sure thing than a project, but um, either way, he's not someone that's going to like you know be as dynamic as some of the other um, defensive linemen. So yeah, I, I got Aziz Ojolari here. I think they'll probably just address that and uh, move forward with it. All right, we agree. Yep. Edge. Edge. All right. What about the Ravens? Who do you got them picking up? Here? <laughs> well, uh, the Ravens need one specific spot that I feel like just needs to be hammered into their head. And if they go, what's that? Is, other... that? is that Caleb Lynn's music playing? <laughs> <laughs> if they go any other direction, I will be very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> the the with with my mock draft, I have the Baltimore Ravens getting a great pick in Rashad Bateman at number 27. What a slide. Uh, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lamar Jackson finally has a a superior option on the outside. He won't have to be passing to freaking Kenny, Kenny stills. Is that right? I don't, I don't freaking remember what his name is. (laughs) Uh, Either way, um, it it just kind of goes to show that, yeah, the Ravens just don't have any notable wide receivers besides Marquise Brown. And even Marquise Brown is not a number one option. And with Rashad Bateman, you have that potential of gaining a number one option. As Ryan mentioned much earlier, we're talking about a guy who has very crisp route running, uh, very crisp, you know, just wide receiver work in general. Um, his, as I discussed uh, with Ryan outside of, outside of the podcast, uh, his his numbers in terms of uh, uh, his uh, pro day stuff, his, his measurements, that was, that was quite interesting stuff. He, he listed way sm- smaller than what he was uh, listed previously, but regardless, uh, that shouldn't stop him at all. Uh, I, think, I think this is a great pick for the Ravens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had them going the wide receiver route as well. But I had them going with because obviously Bateman's been off the the board for a minute for me. I have them going with uh, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver out of LSU. Um, just based solely off of they need size opposite of Hollywood Brown, and you know he's this is a, a, an overall short wide receiver class. But I have I have them going with um, 
with Marshall, who's only like six two, but still hell of a lot bigger than Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Just just to just to give Lamar some options, man. It's yeah. Those, those two plus the signing of Sammy Watkins. Finally, we might be able to see the, the semblance of a passing offense in Baltimore for all the reasons that you listed. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously. It, I mean, it's just been pathetic. I mean, throw into freaking. I mean, Willie Sneed. Res- Willie Sneed. That's who I met. Not Kenny Stills. Uh, Willie Sneed. Or uh, that you know, I get I get those uh, um, uh, Saints. Some of the Saints receivers mixed up, but uh, oh yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Miles Boykin. I mean, all love to him, you know, as as a Notre Dame guy, but just not a, a top. Option need better. For you. you need better. So yeah, I mean, either way, wide receivers should be addressed, and the, there's plenty of wide receiver talent to pick from uh, at this spot. So. Absolutely. So All right, on to the Saints. Yeah. Um, there's there's quite a few ways you could go with this one. So who do you got with the Saints getting at number 28? Saints are in a weird spot where they have like this elite roster still. Like there's still the bones of this elite roster, but everybody's getting old. And so with Demario Davis kind of getting up in age, uh, I have – I have the Saints going Zayvon Collins, linebacker oh, out of Tulsa. Let's go. Same same page? Let's go. Same page. All right. Take the explanation away, buddy, then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, you hit on it. Exactly. Demario Davis. Uh, I mean, not only is he getting old, but just the fact that, you know, hey, they've been trying to find Demario Davis, a running mate, for so long. Uh, yes. Throwing anybody they can out there, nothing has really worked. So Zayvon Jackson just absolutely makes sense, and I, I could, I could get the argument that you know they could consider Asante Samuel Jr. here, but just make the smart move, get Demario Davis the help he needs. Zayvon Jackson's a great, uh, you know, he's just a great linebacker overall. He can do pretty much anything you ask of him, uh, and I think this would be a perfect spot for him to go with the Saints. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Wow, another one we hit. Okay. <laughs> I can't even act surprised, man. We're just we're all on the same page. I know it. I know it. We we will not agree on the Green Bay Packers. No, pick, no. I've uh Ryan Ryan said that he's he's gonna make some Green Bay Packers fans <laughs> Will Hawks that are really angry with this pick. So before we get to that, I'm just gonna say mine. Uh, I have them picking Elijah Moore, finally getting, uh, you know, a wide receiver, a notable one. Uh, but I, I just would really like to hear Ryan Gregory's pick on this one. I'm convinced that the that the Packers are just trolling us at this point. And they're, and they're like, I'm, we're going to piss off Aaron Rodgers and our fan base as much as possible. And we're not going to draft a receiver. We're just going to keep throwing out undrafted guys and just seeing what happens. And so I see the Packers continuing that trend. And to be fair, it's not a bad pick here because they've been so shitty at getting to the quarterback the, like the last five years. And so here's a little something to address it with Aziz Ojolari, the edge rusher out of Georgia going to the Packers to hopefully find some semblance of a, of a pass rush there. (laughs) I mean, that, that's all you really need to say. I mean, like, they never get home. They they trust their outstanding defensive backfield, which, I mean, fair. But they get, they certainly got exposed. They got exposed against the against the Buccaneers. 
Yeah, they did. And so did. if they would have had a better pass rush, I mean, some of those passes never never get there. And so I think Ojolari is the correct pick here. Or not even the correct pick. I think they should go receiver, but I don't believe that the front office is capable of that. So I think they oh. go edge here. All right. Well, I'm glad we at least agree that they should go receiver. Um, but I suppose yeah, they should go receiver. Logistically speaking, and your your variation, there's not a whole lot of first round receiving talent left, even with the loaded, uh, right loaded Pe- people talent. really load up on receivers and O linemen in my in my mock. Yeah. So um, with the 30th pick, the Buffalo Bills have pretty much everything you need so uh not too worried about what they're gonna do here but you know i'm under the pressure of impression of when you don't have many holes to fill it's never a bad option to uh reinforce your old defensive line so uh with this pick i got jalen phillips out of no Miami. fucking way dude I, <laughs> did you really i have jalen phillips here <laughs> oh my goodness we did not send this to each other this is all like organically done and we are discussing it for the first time together right now (laughs) explain why jalen phillips would be a great fit for the buffalo bills well jalen phillips slides here because of his injury history as most of you listened to on the previous pod uh phillips has an extensive uh, issue with concussions could be done forever retired from football at one point because of concussions so he's like one big hit away from being done forever but was a former five star was like was prolific at Miami this past season, kind of revitalized his career. I mean, the, the physical tools are all there to, to be great. I think that he would be a no brainer first guy off the board if he didn't have such a horrific injury history. Yeah. And I mean, the bills were going hard to try and get JJ Watt up there. And yeah. when, when he, when he went off to uh, Arizona, they're probably left a lot of bills fans thinking, well, now what do we do? Well, now you have an elite edge rusher fall into your laps just because of kind of the, the, the strengths and weaknesses of this class and the, the given background of Phillips. It, it just uh, works out both – or uh, I'm sorry, works out great for both parties. And uh, it's certainly a match made in heaven here. Yeah, I mean, a perfect slide, uh, one that I feel is realistic. Um, you know, I, I feel like – you know, they, they really can't do much wrong. I feel like they're going to end up going edge. And by this point in the draft, there's still plenty to choose from. So I think Jalen Phillips is the logical one. Plus, you know, their defense is already so solid that they can, you know, they could slowly work him in and, you know, work yeah. around. He, he can just be rotational. Yeah. He doesn't have to come in and be the guy. Yeah. So Jalen Phillips, everybody. Uh, another one Ryan Gregory and I have, have agreed on. Um, so one that, would be interesting now is what the Ravens do with their second first round pick at number 31. So I have the Ravens beefing up their secondary and going after the only probably great <laughs> safety in this class and picking up Trayvon Morig safety out of TCU. The next I'd read the next Ed read. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of tossed around the idea of O-line here, especially with the the moving of Orlando Brown over to the Chiefs. But, I mean, with with the talent that I have left on my board, you're essentially just looking at guys that were day day two guys anyways when you're this late. And so you may as well pick someone who is a first-round grade 
and at a position where you, where he can step in immediately. And so I like Morig here to the Ravens kind of really beef up that secondary and hammer home that point of how great they are on defense. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, uh, the Ravens are quite lucky with their position um, in, in my mock draft because uh, they don't have to, to beef up their secondary. Uh, their defense will be just fine because Walker Little is still available. And that's Ooh. exactly who they're getting. That'd be uh, a with, perfect pick for them. It really would. Uh, where it's, uh, I mean, Orlando Brown, you know, he's he's slightly a gamble just from inexperience, but his upside and size and intangibles, they're, they're all just so great. Uh, you really can't pass on them here. And uh, as you noted, the, the leaving of Orlando Brown has really uh, left left a a hole on their um, in terms of their O line. So uh, Walker Little, perfect pick if he ends up falling to the Ravens. And uh, I also think it's realistic. I feel like just because of the inexperience, some people might be more hesitant to uh, go with Walker Little. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And on to the final pick of the mock draft. Final the Tampa pick. Bay Buccaneers at number 32. Who do you got? <laughs> so uh, this kind of goes under the pressure of the Bills. Uh, as I as I said, you know, when you have literally zero holes, it's just best you reinforce your defensive line. And I got them choosing Gregory Rousseau with the final pick in the first round. Um, I like this it. Is a, this is a guy who can learn behind some of the greats, obviously. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, plus all of the linebacking play. I mean, this would just be a great fit for him. Uh, he, he's not going to be pressured into producing big results immediately. Uh, he's someone who can, you know, take some time to, to marinate and, and be able to produce some seasons uh, following, you know, their eventual departure. I mean, <laughs> he's... These, some of these defensive linemen on their team are quite old. So um, I, I definitely feel like this is something that's realistic for them. Um, who, who do you got, Ryan? Yeah, quick point about Rousseau. I think it's important that he's brought along slowly, like you mentioned. So I, I really like this marriage here between the team and player here. I think it's it would be an ideal spot for Rousseau because he does need to be rotational at first. He cannot be expected to step in right away and be a dominant edge. And so if he, if he has time to just kind of learn, as you said, behind some greats, that's a, a, a really good spot for him. Uh, for me, um, I have the Buccaneers going with a luxury position because, you know, they're, they're so good in every spot pretty much that they can kind of just ha- add, a, add a fun toy to the arsenal. And so with, with the departure of um, Antonio Brown, I have them picking up Rondale Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue, with the final pick in the draft. And this offense becomes horrifying with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rondale Moore and Gronk. You have to cover all four of them every time that Tom Brady drops back. Like, good luck, man. This is just (laughs) – makes things a little bit unfair. But I I think it's a a fun pick for the Buccaneers and, like, a a great way to fill that hole without having to use, you know, Scotty Miller. So – yeah, uh, well, um, they they actually re-signed Antonio Brown today. Oh, they did? Oh, yeah, they I'm signed today? Sure. Literally today, so I, I wouldn't expect you to, to uh, Fuck. recognize Fuck, I'm still sticking that. with it. Hey, 
Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, he's only gonna it was only a one year deal. He's only gonna be around for, you know, probably another season. So I'm gonna say it with my chest, still Rondell Moore. Yeah, why not? Um (laughs) I you know, honestly, like we said, Buccaneers can't go any wrong. They could go luxury, uh, they could go reinforcement. Pretty much anything they want to do here is, is what they can do. I mean, you know, there's there's definitely no arguments there for whatever the Buccaneers decide to do. It's pretty much just a great spot for them. So, agreed. That concludes the first ever triple option past 2021 NFL mock draft. Um, it was it was a pleasure uh, doing this with you, Ryan. I, I really this enjoyed so this. much fun. It so was a lot fun. of fun. Um, you know, this is our our uh, tip of the cap to all of these great players, in which we've both have gotten the pleasure to watch throughout the years. Because uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are triple option pass, and we are a college football podcast. So, um, being able to to watch these people leave before our eyes, it's, it's truly just beautiful. Just beautiful. And you know what? This The end of the draft is just going to mean that we can start getting to know the guys that we're going to be talking about in the class of 2022. See, it could, couldn't be said any better. If this was a journalism article, I would have I ended right on that quote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, for real, though, uh, yeah, this, this is a great one, and uh, I really look forward to doing this in 2022. Uh, we got a long way until then, and uh, we get to load up and, and redo for a 2022 draft, which is going to be entirely different from this one. So uh, it's, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, we, we've had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, we thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll see you later. Catch you later.